You can't go. All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No more hangers. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the '80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing Windwalker, released January 1st, 1981. It was written by Ray Goldrip, based on the novel by Blaine Yorg, who also provided additional writing to the production, directed by Keith Merrill, and released by Pacific International Enterprise. All those names sound like a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they do. <laughs> Despite shooting in Utah, the film was briefly plagued with ashfall from the eruption of Mount St. Helens in March of 1980. Yeah. The sun was blotted out enough that they had to change how they lit some of the scenes until a new snowstorm cleared the air and brought a fresh layer of snow to their locations. The film won four American Indian Motion Picture Awards, Best Director, Most Promising Actress for Serena Hedden, Best Screenplay, and Best Art Direction. The score was recorded with the London Philharmonic Orchestra due to an ongoing strike with Hollywood musicians. An actor strike began weeks from the end of production, but the film was granted an exception since it was so nearly completed. The film's Oscar eligibility caused a bit of an uproar because the Academy rules dictate that any film told mostly in a non-English language is to be categorized as a foreign film, (laughs) which already seems pretty racist as America has no national language. Wow. To make matters worse, the Academy required the country of origin to nominate each foreign film nominee, rendering Windwalker ineligible on account of the language spoken. Wow. So how did that work for Passion of the Christ? I'm pretty sure that this uproar caused them to change the rules. Mm. But yeah, there's there's no country that still speaks Aramaic to nominate Passion of the Christ. And it did get nominations, right? I, I believe it did. I know it got Cash Monet. Instead of solving the obvious issue, changing the film's designation from foreign, which it is not, to just a regular film, protesting cast members had requested that the film be granted an honorary statue for its authenticity. It received nothing. Chief Dan George was attached to play Windwalker, but fell ill before production began, and as a result, both young and old Windwalker are portrayed by white dudes. Yeah, so... It was supposed to be, the older one was supposed to be an actual Native American actor. Okay. I'm going to say, it feels like they were trying so hard, and then they missed the mark so hard on that one. Yeah. I don't really understand even then why they would push for for some sort of award for authenticity, because it's just like, yeah, you, you swung and you missed that one. Guys. I think <laughs> the problem is that it's comparatively a very authentic story at the time. <laughs> I agree. And I mean- but I, even before this, like, most of the Native American movies that were, like, big, award-worthy Native American movies were about Dustin Hoffman as a white guy amongst Indians. Yeah. Or, well, true. Uh, and a yeah, man called Horse is, like, a British guy. I was going to say I was going to bring up a man called Horse. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think that that one was inauthentic. Right. But I, I think it wasn't a Native American story. It, it's, right. It's just an American imperialist's story. Fair enough. We open the film with an elderly Cheyenne warrior named Windwalker on his deathbed. His grandchildren are tending to him and ask about his youth, and we transition back in time to Windwalker's childhood. 
He used to hunt buffalo with a young girl named Tashina. They grew up together, and Windwalker would play the flute for her. Adult Windwalker is being played by James Remar here. Do you recall the last time we had James Remar playing a Native American character? Uh, was that, uh, uh, shoot, Charlton Heston and uh, Brian Keith, right? Mountain Men? Mountain Men. It was not the Mountain Men. Oh, it wasn't? He gets in a knife fight in a bar, beat it style. Oh, tied to yeah, each other. that was the, uh, with all the brothers, the long riders. There you go. Mm. It was him and uh, David Carradine yeah. facing off. In their village, another warrior is demanding Tashina's hand in marriage, and when he notices Windwalker watching, he starts harassing Windwalker's horses for a bit. The man threatens to come back later to collect Tashina. Windwalker heads out with a friend to where the rival Crow tribe keep their horses and steal about 50 from them. Windwalker races them back to Tashina's father and trades them for her hand in marriage. The other guy had returned with an offer of eight skins for her when Windwalker's herd rushes in to dust up the camp. The man forks over his daughter without hesitation. That night, Tashina puts a necklace on Windwalker and they start to kiss. The next day, Tashina's other suitor tells him that they are mortal enemies because he has embarrassed him. We cut to Tashina telling Windwalker that she's pregnant, presumably sometime later, and then immediately to her giving birth. She has twins, and these are very tiny babies. Mm -hmm. It was surprising because... I don't you don't normally see babies right. this little and and I don't think they didn't quite look like newborns but they they were very fresh. Yeah. I I think they they could have been the size of newborns but my theory here is that because they actually were identical twins like they were they were They might have been premature. So, they were yeah. So gestationally their age was newborn but yeah. maybe they were a month or two old. Mhm. Cuz newborn twins are even smaller than regular newborns. We cut back to elderly Windwalker, and the kids ask if their father was one of these babies, and Windwalker confirms that he is. He and Tashina are splashing around in a lake when the other suitor returns with a friend to attack them. Tashina tries to run away, but they catch up with her and beat her to the ground. Windwalker kills one of the men, but the other collects one of his twin boys and rides away on a horse. Windwalker chases him as long as he can on foot, and then returns to find his other son crying over Tashina's body. She has been killed. Windwalker left the remaining son with his tribe and went out hunting for the other child for a long time. He rides a horse through a canyon and starts climbing through a small crack in the wall until he finds a small crow camp and his missing son is there. Windwalker waits till dark and quickly punches out the man keeping watch. He takes a torch to all the teepees at night and steals his son back in the ensuing commotion. I think he even ties the torch to a horse and yeah. has it run through the camp. Oh, that's crappy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was trying to spread chaos so that he could escape. That's true. Well, and I and I thought for sure that the, this this kid under the, you know, being, you know, from his perspective, being stolen away from his family right. was going to cause a lot more of a commotion yeah. and be a much bigger problem. Yeah. I thought this was going to be the plot of the movie. Right. I thought, I thought, like, he's going to be spending all this time with this kid who's going to be constantly trying to run away and not believing that he's his father. Yeah, yeah like the island. Yeah. It's just like, nope, I'm yeah. part of their team still. Uh, but he very quickly convinces this kid, I'm your father. And the kid goes, oh, all right. I think we do get a moment with the kid and the crow that implies that they don't treat him well here, though. Mm. That he kind of feels like, oh, well, I must have been, like, mm -hmm. some some outsider here. But he covers the child's mouth to keep him from calling for help that night. And then when the coast is clear, he explains that he is his father. He gives the boy the necklace Tashina put on him so that he can tell his twins apart when he gets home. 
The kid seems to believe him and smiles, but as they're leaving, Windwalker is caught by one of the crow, and after a quick fight, Windwalker is thrown in the river. In narration, we learn the sad truth. I never saw my son again, but the pain of wondering still burns within my heart. The river is raging, so he gets right. swept away from yeah. this area, yeah. and, and by this time, a lot of the crow have you know descended upon the, the banks of the river anyways. Yeah. Searching for this lost one has kept me long upon the earth, but now I look no more. It is a good day to die. I should mention that the narration that takes us in and out of these flashbacks is the only English language part of the film. All the dialogue is spoken in the languages of the tribes involved. And was there any evidence that that was added after? I don't know that for sure. That's just my suspicion. Yeah, because it doesn't... It, I find it really annoying because, I, like, not annoying that they speak English in it at all, but annoying that they overlap with the yeah. with the other dialogue because I'm just like, well, now you can't clearly hear either of them. Like, yeah. just, like, pick a lane and you can switch. Like, if if in this time you use this and, and this kind of time you use that language, that's fine, but let's not overlap them. Right. Back in the present, Windwalker dies and his grandson runs to inform his mother we cut to Windwalker's burial, which is kind of the opposite of a burial. Instead yeah. of six feet down, the Native Americans would display their dead six feet up, as we've seen earlier in The Mountain Men in 1980, and in MacGyver episode Ghost Ship. <laughs> I was like, I was like, please mention the MacGyver episode <laughs> about an encounter with Bigfoot. Was it? I think it was also in A Man Called Horse. Was it not? Or no? Yeah, yeah. He he goes into their like burial area. I remember and, they, and they they bury they the mother above the ground too. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they won't go in after him they keep throwing stuff at him to get him to come out windwalker's family march through the snow away from the funeral and are spotted by more crow tribesmen one of them announces his plan to take windwalker's daughter-in-law dancing moon for his own wife to play this creepy scout they cast billy drago (laughs) who is terrifying in everything (laughs) as soon as i saw him smile when he was looking down at the at them walking through the snow i was like there he is that's billy drago and he's gonna be evil for sure the Crow and Cheyenne clash in the snowy woods. Windwalker's son, Smiling Wolf, is able to kill two of the scouts before he is cornered by their leader. One of the downed crows starts to shuffle, and just as Smiling Wolf is about to win the battle, he is struck in the back of the head by the resurrected man and knocked out. The last surviving crow searches for the mother and children, and the woman leaves the children to lead him away from them. The man tackles her to the snow and prepares to rape her when one of the kids shows up with a big stick and bashes him in the head, giving them enough time to escape. Right. But she doesn't finish him. And that's my note. Finish him! Yeah, like, just keep hitting this guy. Yeah, it's like, he's not dead, he's just knocked down. Another female member of their party finds Smiling Wolf badly injured and drags him to his wife and children, but when the last crow warrior finds them, he decides against murdering an entire family in cold blood with nothing to gain. We cut back now to the site of Windwalker's sky burial, where he's waking up. Can this be the land of the sky people? Where are the grasses and the buffalo? Why are my feet so cold? Grandfather, this is a good joke. But now I would continue my journey to the land of the spirits. In the sky, he sees Tashina silhouetted against a bright light. A sudden breeze blows out the support sticks of his burial platform, 
And if he wasn't dead before, surely he is now. <laughs> I was super taken aback by the fact that he woke up yeah. at all, though, because, mm-hmm. granted, I did actually listen to you when you described this movie, and I was, and I was just like, man, he... He died really early. Very in this early movie. in the story. Yeah. It, it, you know, considering that it's supposed to be like about him. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of weird. And then he woke up, and I'm like, "All right, okay." So I guess I guess that is what this is about. I thought it was just like a <laughs> metaphor, like he was he was a ghost, like he was a spirit of the land, and he right. was gonna like come and help them in some metaphorical way. But then he falls out of this nest and just tumbles down this rocky hill, wrapping around a tree on the way down. He has another vision of Tashina before he is dropped back in the snow, unable to die. A pack of wolves approach and begin snapping at him, but Windwalker locates a spear with which to defend himself. The wolves back him up to a sheer cliff and eventually over the edge, where he would have died a third time, (laughs) but falls into a snowpack and then slides unconscious into a cave. Back with Smiling Wolf, the mother sends the two children out to collect a horse to transport their father to safety. Surprisingly quickly, they find one dragging its reins through the snow. One of the kids leaps on the straps, and the horse drags him through the snow (laughs) crazily. The crow regroup and circle back around to where Smiling Wolf is injured, but Smiling Wolf and a crying baby are silenced with hands over their mouths, and a passing horse, or maybe multiple horses, distract the crow away. Windwalker regains consciousness for the third time in the last hour in this new cave. (laughs) Because, you know, losing consciousness over and over again is perfectly fine. Yeah, it's great for you. Oh, grandfather... Must this painful memory be relived? Apparently he is reminded by the cave's interior of some unfortunate event from earlier in his life, and we are transported back to his younger days. Apparently as a child, Smiling Wolf's twin brother was left momentarily alone and attacked by a bear. Windwalker intervenes to save his son's life, scaring the bear away. Just noting that... The bear, when the bear attacks him, he actually gets Scratched a hold of the boy and claws, claws his shoulder. Yeah. Back in the present, Windwalker realizes that there is a bear hibernating in the cave into which he has fallen, and it tries to claw at him while he backs out of the cave. Of course there is. The second he started sliding into a cave, and I'm like, that is not where you want to be in winter. Yeah. The bear kills Windwalker a fourth and final time. <laughs> but no. <laughs> Windwalker wakes again hours later in the cave. They should with call the... him Wind Waker. Yeah. I do. Like, every time I talk about this movie, I'm like, oh, I have to watch Wind Waker tonight. No, that's <laughs> not what it's called. <laughs> I forgot I wanted to begin by accidentally telling the story of the video game. <laughs> Windwalker wakes hours later in the cave with a bear sleeping next to him and a bear arm <laughs> draped over his chest. It looks more like a one-night stand than the aftermath of a bear attack. <laughs> Like coyote ugly kind of situation. Yeah, real ugly. <laughs> Apparently, the bear fell on Wind Waker's spear. Wind. <laughs> a bear. God damn it, you guys. It, it's more of a wand. Apparently, <laughs> the bear fell on Windwalker's wand. Whoa, that sounds wrong. It was a one night stand. <laughs> Apparently, the bear fell on Windwalker's spear and impaled himself. Smiling Wolf's family sets up a teepee, but they're very hungry. Windwalker stumbles out of the bear's cave and trudges through the snow for a while before falling hard on his face in the tightly packed snow and dying a fifth time. (laughs) All the same visions play again and he has returned to life against his best efforts. In their teepee that night, Smiling Wolf is barely able to keep water down. Windwalker awakens and sees a great white horse and walks right up to him and rides it to his family. 
they are obviously shocked to see him alive and i'm surprised that they can see him because i was still convinced he was a ghost well and i think that the kids say as such like that he yeah. comes in and 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 i think does he say or somebody's like oh he's not a ghost yeah he has brought food with him i'm not sure where this came from the probably the bear the meat. bear i'm sure it is Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he, yeah, he did meat. a lot of work with this bear before he left that cave, yeah, he's, I guess. Because yeah. he's wearing the skins of the bear right. and he's got a hunk of bear meat with him. But I'm just like, dude, you better be going back to that bear because there is a whole lot of bear you didn't bring with you that you well, guys could be eating. They do. Right they now. do. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying at this point, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> See, I, I, I shot 300 pounds of food, but I can only carry 99 I pounds guess. back with me. <laughs> exactly. You should have had the wagon. I don't think they're on the Oregon Trail, though. <laughs> Maybe they are. For anyone who doesn't get that reference, we are. I thought it was. I thought you could carry two hundred pounds. Oh, it depends on which person you are. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I always picked the person that could carry two hundred pounds because I just liked hunting. I, I I always picked the banker. I was gonna say you are totally a banker, yeah, Richard. So I could I could I could fully <laughs> you could afford stock. the stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess that's easy mode, right? The banker is the easiest one because you can I buy all the stuff in advance. It doesn't matter when you try to freaking cock your wagon. I always the whole just thing died just of dysentery. Like I don't think it mattered what I did. I just know that all of my tombstones said pepperoni and cheese on them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> You're not the only one who no, did that. <laughs> I know. What do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> Glad you asked, video game. <laughs> Windwalker starts tending to his son immediately. They tell Windwalker what happened with the crow attack and praise the Great One for sending Windwalker back to protect them. Windwalker has brought with him all the medicine necessary to heal his son. The Crow tribe argue around a campfire about the ghost horse that spooked them away from Windwalker's family. Back in the teepee, Windwalker's grandkids ask him how he's still alive and where he got this giant grizzly skin coat that he's wearing. He doesn't have many answers for them other than, I got the bear skin from a bear. <laughs> in the morning, the crows strike again, wrapping up the teepee with rope and yanking it over on its side, but they quickly realize that it's empty. One of the crow warriors, the same one who spared the family earlier, says that it's shameful to continue this pursuit, and the others spit at him for being a chicken shit. He, when, and he just straight up pieces out. He's like, right. he's like, well, if you don't want to be here, then go. He's like, all right. Great. I'm cool. I'm going to leave. You guys can be monsters. Windwalker leads his family back to the bear cave for protection, since it is now presumably vacant. He leads them with a torch down a long corridor, and we see Windwalker and his grandkids home aloneing the area. <laughs> <laughs> That is my exact note. Home aloneing the area. How much? Are you reading that up? My I think. Yeah. I think you guys spend too much time together. They bury ropes. They tie back branches and strategically break the ice of frozen lakes. See now, the the the, the breaking of the ice. At first, I thought they're breaking ice on a lake. Yeah. But then later on, when there's an avalanche, I was like, oh, were they breaking loose oh, the like, snow? No, 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 no. But then it comes back to the lake. It's like, no, they were. Then was the avalanche totally an accident? I think it, I think was. it was. It was just them being stupid. <laughs> yeah, because they'd yell. They deserve it. They watch silently from behind trees as the crow who doesn't want to fight them approaches. The crow's horse steps on one of the traps, a tipping platform buried under snow, and the horse and rider are sent sliding down a snow hill. When the crow warrior comes to rest at the base of the hill, Dancing Moon leaps out and stabs the guy once before Windwalker can stop her. He insists that the man must not be killed, but bound. Also, that horse sliding down that hill. Pretty terrifying. I, I don't know how you can control a horse's slide. Or cause it to fall in the first place. It clearly yeah. was not in control of that. 
and and there's so many trees it could have yeah it could have just gone any Sunny which way itself yeah on the way down. totally Oof. the meaner crow warriors are still inbound and they find a spear that windwalker stabbed into the snow as he was setting up traps with his grandchildren billy drago takes it as a threat and shouts his warrior call triggering an avalanche that scares their horses and buries another of the crow warriors completely like they literally lose a guy <laughs> because he shouted another one down the reluctant warrior wakes up in bindings in the cave with Windwalker and his family. Windwalker gives a speech about how death begins with birth in the cycle of life. The children greet their father as he awakens from illness, and the reluctant warrior is shocked when he sees the man's face. And further, the necklace that Smiling Wolf is gripping tightly in his hand. I should mention here that the reluctant warrior they've captured is wearing like face, face paint. paint. Yeah. yeah, face paint, a big headdress. He's not super recognizable spoiler alert that's that the only reason we would mention that yeah. is, a, is a huge spoiler windwalker tells his children to fight without fear because they are cheyenne and again the phrase seems to ring some bells in the head of the reluctant warrior the children are sent out of the cave to what fight are they yeah. no no being no, no, sent no. out to fight the they, crow they're they're bait they're mm-hmm. they're they're running ahead of them to oh, okay. convince so them like, to you go better through. come in and catch me yes yeah exactly <laughs> He's going to call the cops from a (laughs) treehouse. The crow noticed smoke billowing out of a structure on the hill, which seems pretty lazy of them to like not consider that they're giving away their location. But 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 it's all part of the. Yeah, I I think they want to be. uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't. I I think that they know that they can't hide forever. So that's, that's why they made these traps. The reluctant warrior glares at one of Smiling Wolf's kids and she sneaks over to give him some food to eat. The pervert crow sneaks up on the cave, but Dancing Moon notices him on the way in. He gets her cornered on the floor of the cave when she manages to get her hands on a large rock and cracks him in the head several times to subdue him. Again, not killing him, but hitting him a bunch of times. The children notice another crow warrior on horseback and immediately run from their hiding place across a frozen lake. The warrior and his horse fall through into the ice where the kids dug their trap earlier, the horse manages to scramble out of the water, but the crow disappears under the surface of the water. I don't know how they did this, because it looks like you just put a horse and a dude in a frozen lake. I think that's what they did. That's so dangerous and stupid and horrible. That's why all horses are CG now. The last standing crow warrior starts praying just outside the cave, and the reluctant warrior finally admits out loud to the cave that he is not crow, that he is Cheyenne. Windwalker overhears the confession, and the significance dawns on him. He wipes off the warrior's war paint to find the face of his own son. The warrior is the second son that he lost all those years ago. Windwalker finally realizes why he's been kept alive all these years, and thanks the Great One for this moment. Well, one of the things that cued him in, too, before he wipes the face paint off, was pulling the guy's shirt open and seeing the the scar scar from where the bear attacked him. Windwalker steps outside to face off with the last crow, and leaves the sun untethered in the cave to murder Smiling Wolf and disappear into the woods. Just kidding. The brothers have a bonding moment. Windwalker and the last crow face off, and the crow is insulted to have this old man as an opponent, even though they should be similar in age, right? Yeah, because... This is the guy who took the kid. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Windwalker tells the man that he is the one that the child was stolen from all those years ago and that they should call a truce. The crow refuses, and the lost son returns on horseback, declaring that he now knows the truth of his origin. They both get a lot of solid smashes on each other, but eventually the lost son. He, he we call him that, by the way, uh, because he is given real no no real name. Right. He, I think he's even credited as the the other crow or 
the missing crow's son or something like that. Yeah, or Cheyenne. No, uh, hold on, I got the credits here. Crow brother. Crow brother, okay. Eventually, the lost son has the last crow straddled on the ground. He disowns but spares the life of his adoptive father and returns to Windwalker. That night, everyone is sleeping safe in the cave when Windwalker sneaks out and rides his horse over the mountains. What a good joke this has been, Grandfather. Saving such a good part of my life until I thought my life was past. Thank you for allowing me to be their teacher and to unite my family once again. We cut to maybe hours later, Windwalker dies for a sixth time, stranding his horse in the snow. We see Windwalker moving through a row of trees in a glowing fog toward his Tashina. She reaches for him, and when he takes her hand, he is young again. They kiss and disappear into the afterlife. And that's the end of the film. At the end of the credits, we see the words, The film is dedicated to the memory of Michael Hurst. Hurst was a friend of the film's writer and producer who was instrumental in getting the ball rolling to produce the film. He passed away from cancer in December of 79, shortly before filming began. Yeah, I, I was very unclear because uh, like I was like, Michael Hurst? I was like, the only Michael Hurst I know who uh, was one of the characters on uh, Kevin Sorbo's Hercules. And I was like, <laughs> wait, did, when was this movie made? No, definitely not in the 90s. Also, I was very upset about the credits themselves. Yes, um, because there's no way to know which person goes with which words. Well, there's there, yeah, there's that, but it's also when names were too long, they dropped it a carriage return down to the next one, and like nothing was justified <laughs> properly. Yeah. It's like, if you had just made the text a little bit smaller, you could have fit everything. Yeah. But instead, you had these names where things just drop down to the next level and they just wanted to make sure it looked good on television (laughs) it had to be huge letters and and that's what i thought that this was yeah i i uh the whole time in the beginning especially i thought it looks very clean i was like this is this is shot on video but i looked it up and it's shot on film yeah um and, and i was just impressed by how it looked yeah especially given the fact that you said that there was all kinds of technical problems with right the volcano with, the, with all the ash um, our director here, Keith Merrill, uh, didn't recognize a lot of his credits, but he also directs Harry's War for us later this season. Writer Ray Goldrup, again, I don't recognize many writing credits, but he does have an uncredited appearance as Topless Yaki attacking Nora in Five Bloody Graves in 69. <laughs> okay. The music here was from Merrill B. Jensen. Um, he'll be back to score Harry's War for Keith Merrill again later this year. Cinematographer Reed Smoot also back for Harry's War. Editor Janice Hampton, this was her first editing credit. She went on to a couple John Waters movies, Hairspray, Crybaby, actually Serial Mom and Pecker also. And uh, later she edited Blair Witch 2, Cabin Fever 2, so a lot of horror sequels. Uh, another editor, Peter L. McRae, this is his only credit, and he has the same last name as actress Dusty McRae, so maybe a relative, who knows. Trevor Howard played Windwalker. He was Father Collins in Ryan's Daughter, which we did not review for Patreon last year. He's Major Calloway in The Third Man, and he's Judge Broomfield in Gandhi. He was nominated for an Oscar for his appearance in Sons and Lovers in 1960. Oh, and he was also Dr. Alec Harvey in Brief Encounter. Don't worry, Stephen, I got you. <laughs> Nick Ramis played Smiling Wolf slash Crow Brother. Obviously, he's playing both, both halves of this mm-hmm. uh, twin couplet. He was Gus Nunos in Falcon Crest. He was Standing Wolf in MacGyver episode Trail of Tears. He's Clark Littlehawk in Invasion USA and Black Kettle on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. So I'm guessing he's 
actually Native American. That is possible. Considering that's all he seems to play. Yeah. Uh, James Remar was Windwalker as a young man. He was Ajax in The Warriors. We reviewed his work last year on Cruising and Long Riders. He's probably best known as Dexter's dad. He was Mr. Wright on Sex and the City. And he's provided voices for characters in Ben 10, The Legend of Korra, and Transformers Dark of the Moon as Sideswipe. Rudy Diaz played Crow Eyes. Not sure which person that is. Um, it might be the leader yeah. of the Crow Warriors. He was Zamora in Hellfighters and Deputy Sanchez in Charlie Varick. Billy Drago played Crow Scout. He's also Ramon Coda in Delta Force 2. He's Blackhand Kelly for Tremors 4. Mm-hmm. But for me and Richard, <laughs> he will always be John Bly from the tragically short-lived The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Ah, he was so great. And the last credit I have here is for Bart the Bear, who played the bear in the flashback that attacked one of the twins. This is the first feature film appearance of Bart the Bear, who comes back for memorable turns in Clan of the Cave Bear, The Great Outdoors, The Bear, White Fang, Legends of the Fall, Twelve Monkeys, and The Edge, which I guess that means he attacks Anthony Hopkins in a couple movies. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's surprising. And I, and I... Twelve Monkeys. I know exactly the scene. Doesn't he? Isn't doesn't he attack Anthony Hopkins in uh, Legends of the Fall? Or I forget if Bart the Bear and Anthony Hopkins have any scenes together. Uh, I know they definitely do in the Edge. Yeah, but uh, I don't remember that one. Because I, I maybe he doesn't get attacked. Maybe he just has the stroke. Because I remember he has like he spends the whole second half of that movie with like a droopy face. Um, I really like Legends of the Fall. Um, yeah, those are all the credits I had for this one. Um, it's a pretty simple story. Yeah. Um, it goes by pretty quick. Obviously, I mean, we're only a half an hour into the episode and we've uh, discussed the entire plot. Um, I think that it does hurt the film that none of the lead characters are played by Native Americans. Um, it seems like that would have been... Ideal. Yeah. Um, it just seems weird. It just seems like a weird choice to me because like, you're making such an effort to be authentic by making it in their language their language and they, they as far as i know i'm no expert but it seemed pretty authentic in terms of you know the their way of life and mm-hmm. and stuff so why why not go all the way yeah I, and i think the reason for not going all the way is there weren't enough famous native american actors but like i don't think Dan you George. make this film because you're putting famous people in i think it. the only way you get money to make it is by having a name in it how much could it really cost I that's the part that surprises me because it doesn't seem like an expensive no, film to me. Not at all. Um, but it's shot pretty quickly. Um, it's uh, location shoots are difficult, especially in the snow, I obviously, guess. in the mountains too. Um, but yeah, it just seems like it couldn't have been supremely difficult to wait for Native American actors to be available for these parts. Um, but that being said, I did appreciate that all the dialogue is in their languages. Um, I, I'd be curious, though, to hear from a native speaker. How to well they did? See how well they did. I mean, obviously, they had people on set coaching them. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so, yeah. but I, I cannot be a judge <laughs> of that. It's just like Google Translate. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I think that's what this says. I'm just going to start talking. Um, You know, and I'm sure, like, I, I don't know, but I would imagine some of the other Native Americans in here, I don't know of what descent they are. So, like, did, sure. they, did they speak... Uh, and does do Crow and um, Cheyenne. Cheyenne speak the same language? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't They're know. They're neighboring they were... tribes, but I imagine yeah. they'd have their own language. So, do they 
both speak the same language in this film? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not well versed enough to to recognize the difference in the characters speaking. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an okay story. Um I think it's actually like when I realized that this grandfather was just going to keep waking up from dying, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a, this is kind of fun actually. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm excited to see how he dies next and <laughs> what happens yeah i was i think that i came out like 20 minutes and i'm like and you're like it gets better i'm like okay i'll keep going and you're and then i'm like all right it's, and grandpa it's wakes right. up and you're like okay what, <laughs> all right what happened um but yeah and uh the battle scenes are all pretty cool i mean everything was pretty believable all mm-hmm. the stunt work um i hope that horses weren't permanently damaged in the making yeah. of the film they probably were um but i would still say that for me this is probably not a worthwhile viewing this no. would be a thumbs down for me it's a thumbs down for me yeah I, it's a reluctant I, thumbs down. I, I agree i it's a it's a reluctant thumbs down i certainly didn't dislike this movie uh <laughs> in fact the letterbox rank will be uh interesting yeah <laughs> uh but uh uh I, I yeah i didn't dislike it i i like i said i that's why i felt it it felt like a tv movie and it certainly only felt like an hour long episode of something. Right. Like it, it, d- it goes by, by very quickly. Very quickly. Um, and sometimes I look at the run times of these movies and I go, uh, you know, and, and while this wasn't a huge run time, I, it certainly didn't feel like it was as long as it was. I'm going to disagree with you too on that one. <laughs> it's not long. This to you. one felt extremely long to me. And I feel like if I cut out all of the scenes of somebody walking from one place to another place, this movie would be like 30 minutes long. Well, so would Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't watch those movies either. (laughs) Lord of the all three of them could be uh, fit in an hour. Um, But yeah, like you said, uh, despite the thumbs down, um, I'm still putting this. For me, it's in second place on my letterbox list after Underground Aces. Uh, I uh, I actually have it as number one. All right, (laughs) it's it is my current number one. I it's not going to be there for very long. I think there's only four movies right now, so. Um, it's not a surprise. Jess, what are you thinking? Letterboxed. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and match you with that one that it's under Underground Aces. All right. Um, so we got number two, number two, and a number one for this one. But keep in mind that I'm pretty sure all of us has given every movie so far three thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So we have better stuff uh, coming. But I think that's everything for Windwalker. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Whereas I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. You can find a button at the top of our .com and join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future. Also, search for Vintage Video Podcast on YouTube and subscribe to our new channel there. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Scanners, which IMDb describes like so. A scientist sends a man with extraordinary psychic powers to hunt others like him. We leave you now with the trailer for Scanners. I would like to scan all of you in this room, one at a time. I must remind you that the uh, scanning experience is usually a painful one, sometimes resulting in nosebleeds, earaches, stomach cramps, nausea, sometimes other symptoms of a similar nature. At this point, I'd like to call for volunteers. Fine. 
Just uh, sit right here, please. Now, I'd, I'd like you to think of something specific. Do I have to close my eyes? It doesn't matter. All right, yes, I have something.